We've been in a series about the fire of God. For those of you who have not been here, I want to catch you up on a few important things in the church as a whole. Those who have been a part of these messages, they have been listening so intently that they know the answers to these questions. I want you to answer them without fear. I want you to answer them with great boldness because you know the answer. The fire does not come from us. The, the passion that comes, it doesn't originate in us. The fire comes from who? See, you didn't even let me finish the question. I knew y'all had it. Yes. The fire comes from God. You cannot manufacture a fire and a love for God on your own. God has to divinely touch that and, and the fire descends on our heart. But now, here's the real important question. Whose responsibility is to keep the fire going in your life? Ours. Yes, I like that, me. It is your responsibility to keep your fire going. Now, we talked about some things that can disrupt our fire, that can quench our fire. And one of the things that we talked about was the trials of life. Anybody ever gone through some trials? Anybody ever walked through some stuff? Like you don't even really want to talk about it. You just define it as stuff. I've been through some stuff. And, and those things can cause our fire to go out. And, and then we sing a song like we just sang a moment ago. And it said, I want to be tried by fire. Now, I don't know if y'all just let that roll off without questioning but the first time I heard that song, I said, oh, that's good. I know where they're going. I don't know if i got the guts to sing that or not. Did anybody feel like that too when you heard it? You're like, I, I don't know if I've got the guts to sing it. Because I don't know what that means. God, try me with fire. Hmm. And so I said, you know what? I want to make sure that people, when you come here, you know that we try very hard to make sure the songs we sing line up with the Word of God. All right, Because I think songs are powerful. And the last thing I would want is for the praise team to sing something and you go out of here singing that thing because it's going to make an imprint in your thoughts and then it'll make an imprint in your heart. And if you're not careful, it'll affect the way you do life. So it's important that we get our words right. And I said... Maybe we ought to talk about the fire of God today and the trials of life and see if we can get a better understanding of what happens when that kind of fire comes. Are you up for that task today? Amen. All right, go over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Going to begin in verse 11. And I believe that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11, what we have here... Is Paul writing, and he's talking about a lot of things. He's talking to a church that he wished was stronger than they were. He's talking to a church that he wished was more mature than they were. In fact, he says, I wish I could give you some meat, but you like babies. I'm going to have to give you milk. <laughs> I, I don't want for God to look at the church here at Ember and say, I'd love to give them meat, but they can't handle it. And so I'll just continue to give a milk. And, and then he talks about how, how do we grow up? We grow up as the Word of God matures us, as we apply it to our lives. And so when he talks about a, a foundation that we're going to read about in just a moment, realize that is the foundation led by the Word of God. 
the words that Jesus spoke, the words of the apostles that are recorded in, in the Bible for us. Now we're ready to read. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he'll receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. I read those verses for many years and they scared me. Can I just go ahead and say that? I read them and they scared me. And I thought, I don't know. When people talk about fire and God, it never seems good to me. You know, it's like, it, it, it always seems like that's going to turn out badly. But I want us to look at this with some new eyes today. Will you do that? Amen. Will you look at it like you've never seen it before? I think it's always good to, to go back and look at Scripture and say, God, if there's anything I missed... Lord, clarify it. If, if this is something I've not seen, let me see it. And that would be my prayer today. So let's, let's go back to 11. It says, For no man can lay a foundation. And here is what we need to know. Is that you can, you can build on many things, but there is only one thing that the Apostle Paul is saying right here that you can build on that will last, and that's the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Your life, what he is saying, has to be built on Something. You have to anchor it to something. What is your life anchored to? Yeah, that was not a question that you ought to blow over. Amen. You, you ought to answer it. What is your life anchored to? You see, I find that in the society that we live in, we are big into growing big. We are big into success and wanting to have successful lives and successful families and successful careers. And we want to be the best at what we're doing because that's the culture that we live in. Can I tell you that if you want to grow high, you better make sure that you've got a foundation that's deep. Amen. Can I tell you that? Yeah, that's good. There are a lot of people who want to be successful in the world and they're concentrating on how to get higher, how to move up the corporate ladder, how to have more things and I would tell you this, you don't need to be so careful about how high you're getting. You need to be more careful about what your foundation is rooted in. Who is your foundation? Because I can tell you, if it is the Lord Jesus Christ, it will stand. But if it is not Jesus, that is when you find out, why does everything keep falling apart in my life? Yeah, because you don't have anything to anchor to. So you've got to anchor your family. You've got to anchor your career. You have to anchor your friendships, your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations. <laughs> you've got to anchor it all in Jesus. Amen. Keep on. Let's go. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold or silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, you see, even after you have a foundation, all of us are going to build. You're all building right now. You're building a life for yourself. You're building a life for your family. Now the thing is, you might be building it out of gold, but you might be building it out of hay. You, you might be building it out of precious stone. Paul was looking at these buildings that were made with great 
great stonework. And he was saying that your, your life might look like that, but it might look like straw too. And honestly, you don't know until the trying comes, until the, the fire comes. And here's what I believe about that fire. I, and I've told you this before, I believe the fire of God is the love of God. Because God says, I am a consuming fire. And God also says that God is love. And I put those things together and I said, wait a minute. The fire of God is the love of God that is burning up everything that doesn't look like Him. Because you know, when a storm comes, you are not looking for a house that is built on straw to go hide in. Now tell the truth. When a storm comes, you start thinking about where is the safest, most secure part of even my own home. Right? You start making a plan for your family because you know that you got to go somewhere where when it's tested, it's going to survive. I'll tell you this. Jesus never meant to ruin you. Jesus never means to destroy you. But He is a fire. And He does mean to burn off everything that is in you that is not like Him. Because if it's not like Him, it's not love. It is not true. And it will not stand. And at some point as believers, we've got to get to that place where we actually thank Him for that. Amen. Now, I believe that what is happening here is that end time judgment. I believe that that's what we're speaking of. Now, watch this. Because I thought that it would just burn up everything. And I was like, oh man, we could be ruined in that. Oh, but you can't miss verse 15. Look at it. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Did you see that? This is when the verse changed for me, everybody. This is when it stopped scaring me and it actually made me grateful. I became grateful for this verse when I got down to number 15 because it said, He will suffer loss, but He Himself will be saved. Do you see that? When the fire comes at the judgment day, the fire is going to consume the things of your life that are not like God, but if your foundation is in God, it is not consuming you, it's purifying you. Yeah, it wasn't ever meant to consume you, it will preserve you. And I started thinking about that. I got some regrets. Anybody in here got some regrets? Got some things that if you could go back on, you wouldn't have done them that way. <laughs> if you'd have gone back, you wouldn't have said it that way. In fact, you wouldn't have said it at all. Some things you're like, these things are on my record forever. <laughs> you know, you, you almost feel like a convict that you're like, these things stand on my record forever. And when everybody sees me, they see this. Well, I got good news for you. When Jesus saved you, He justified you. <laughs> that meant that He didn't just say, they're dirty, rotten scoundrels, but I'm going to forgive them anyway. No, He said, I'm going to actually reposition you. I'm going to justify you. I'm going to reposition you. I'm going to take you back to a place where it never happened. Just like it never happened. That's what justifying means, that I'm going to take you back to a place where it never happened. And, and, but you get to the end of the days and you, you see God. And, and I think that's why He'll have to wipe away our tears because we'll have some tears for the way we built. Amen. We'll have some tears for the way we lived our life. Some, some things that we made priority that we shouldn't. We'll be so embarrassed, so ashamed when you look face to face. 
at the one who loved you. And what are you going to do? I believe that consuming fire comes down and it burns it off. And once again, he says for the last time, what sin? Amen. <laughs> what, what sin? What selfishness? What foolishness? Where is it? Like a campfire that burned through the night that had logs on it when you started it. But when you get done, you're like, where did it all go? And God said, I couldn't let it enter my presence because I'm perfect and I'm holy. And I'm a righteous God. So how, does, how do unrighteous people get to a righteous God? I burn off everything that's not like me. Amen. Yeah. But now, let me make sure. I'm going to put a disclaimer there. That does not give you the right to walk down an aisle and pray some little half-hearted prayer. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Save me from my sins. And then turn around and go out and live however you want to live. Grace does not empower you to go out and continue to do what you've been doing. Grace empowers you to stop doing what's been killing you. What's been killing you. And so, I don't want anybody to walk out of here and say, I think I just got permission to live any way I want to. And God said, at the end of the days, He'll just burn it all off and I'll be good. No, because I think if you have that attitude, your foundation might not be in Christ. Amen. And at that point, if you don't want anything that looks like Jesus... If you don't want to have anything to do with Him on this side of eternity, I don't know what makes you think you're going to want something on this side of eternity. Amen. So it is not permission to sin. Okay? It, it, it is the mercy of God that says, you may, yeah, you blew it, but I'm still good. And your foundation is in me, and so it'll stand. I'm going to stand as faithful to you. But now here's the thing. That fire of God, it is also, I believe, metaphorical of what happens in life. Has anybody ever gone through some things and you say, whew, I feel like I'm walking through the fire. You ever said that? You say, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm being tested right now. Yeah. You see, I believe that God loves us so much that He says, before I have to burn it up at the end of days, I'm going to give you permission to let it get burned up before the end of days. I'm going to give you permission to clean this thing up before you get to me. And so the trials that we face in life are not meant to destroy you. Because if they were meant to destroy you, God would stop that. They are meant to refine you. They are meant to purify you. And so what happens is we'll find that as we surrender our life to Jesus, we enter into a relationship with Him. This consuming fire, just like a log. You ever seen that on a campfire? I, I have a, a fire at the house. I have a, um, a chimney and a, what do you call it, fireplace. Yeah. Can, can you tell I don't use it? It's there. And I've thought sometimes, man, it'd be so cool to light that thing up. And, you know, but I was thinking then the smoke would probably billow out into the house and I'd have to repaint everything. And that'd be a bad idea. I'm not going to do that. Well, one day Chris Eifert told me, he said, do you know that Netflix has a fire on it? I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, some cold morning, you know, he said, just go to Netflix, pull up the fire 
And he said, it's like an hour long. You can watch the fire burn. I'm like, that's fantastic. Technology. I'm going to try that. And so I turned the fire on. And I'm like, yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same. But, but I was fascinated by it. And so I watched it burn. Are any of y'all fascinated by the fire? That it, it just captivates your attention. You build a fire and, you, and you, you're captivated by it. And as I watched this thing, I noticed that it burned the outside edges and they begin to char first. And it would burn the ends. And wherever the fire went, it would begin to burn and then it would work its way to the inside. So it's burning from the, from the outside in. You follow me, aren't you, Tanya? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so this thing is moving to the inside. It's moving toward our heart. The fire of God is after your heart. In fact, I would, I would venture to say that he's not nearly as interested in your head as he is your heart. Yeah, because I bet some of you did some really stupid stuff and you thought, yeah, that made no sense, but I did it anyway, <laughs> right? And so we know what it means to be led by our heart. As much as I would like for people to think that I'm an intellectual, <laughs> well, <laughs> I realize that a lot of times I'm led by my heart. And in fact, if my heart connects itself to something, I can find a million reasons why it's true. Ooh, that was a good point. You might ought to think about that. There are times you are justifying something in your head because your heart is set on it. Yeah. Now, as it burns, here's the thing about a fire. A fire has trouble burning wet wood. I'm going to say that one more time. A fire has trouble burning wet wood. A fire loses a lot of its heat. A lot of what should be used for heat and for light is consumed in the process of burning the wood. Because what it has to do is actually burn off the moisture that is around this wood. You ever tried to light wet wood? Oh my goodness, right? Man, that stuff smokes, does it not? It starts smoking up and it starts stinking. And if you're outside, you got to try to figure out which way the wind's blowing so it doesn't blow in your face and it starts cracking and it starts popping and you got to constantly keep your eye on it because you're like, if I leave this thing for just a moment, I think it's going to go out. Yeah. And it's because the, the wood is wet. And what has to happen is the, the moisture has to be burned off first. And then as that wood begins to dry, now all of a sudden the heat begins to come. The light begins to, to, to shine. Can I tell you that when the fire of God meets us, sometimes our wood is wet. Sometimes there are some things that cause us not to, our heart to not fall for God as passionately as it should. Can we talk about a few? Can we talk about sin? You see, a lot of times the fire of God comes on the sin of our life. And when it comes, that it comes in the form of trouble because there are natural consequences of it. And, and what I have found is that a lot of times what we want is not for God to take the sin from our life. We want to take the punishment for sin away. We got in trouble with our spouse. We got in trouble with the law. We got in trouble somewhere. And what we wanted was for somebody to come in and save us from the trouble. But what I have found is that that's wet wood. 
And what God is doing is having to burn you past that to where all you want to do is not get caught. And He wants to burn you down to a place where you look at that thing and you say, you know what? I don't want to do it. I don't even want to do it anymore. You see, there are some people who aren't lying because they're afraid they'll get caught. You're not righteous. You're a coward. Oh, there are some people that you make fun of the trouble that some folks got into. And the reality is you would have got into it too if you'd have thought that you couldn't have got caught. You aren't righteous because you don't want to do it. You're righteous because you're too scared to get caught. And what God wants to do is burn past that to where you look at it and you are grieved by it. In fact, I think there's a good process. If there's something in your life that you cannot get hold of, a, a habit that you can't break, I want you to inspect something. Do you still love it? Do you still like it? Does it still capture your heart, your affections? And until you see it for as evil and ugly and desperate as it is, you might not change. Because the reality is your heart is still forward and God gives us the desires of our heart. So He's going to let you do what you want to do. So He burns past that. And then He burns past our thoughts and our motives and our intentions. Have any of you ever done a good thing with bad intentions? Hmm? You know, like, you done something good because you wanted to be noticed? You, you did something good because you wanted to get credit for it? You did something good because you thought if you did something good for somebody, that one day when you needed something, they would do something good for you? Yes, you didn't show favor, you gave a favor that you wanted to call in at some point. And what God wants to do is refine even our motives. So that when you do something good for somebody, you do it with no strings attached. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Huh? Wouldn't that be nice to have some politicians who would vote for the right thing because it's right, not because somebody was paying them for it? Oh, don't get mad at the politicians because we do the same thing. <laughs> we, we don't have good motives. And so sometimes the, the fire of God has to burn past the, the impure motives. And then He burns to where He can purify our character. Mm. Sometimes... We don't want God to touch our character because that's going to a deep place. But can I tell you that most people have not fallen, fallen far and fallen hard because of their education or their lack of it. Most people have not fallen and fallen far because of the family that they came from or the money that they had. Do you know that when people fall, they fall because of their character. Did you notice? When, it, when people fall, they fall not because they lost money or because they didn't have a good education. They don't fall because they didn't have powerful people in their corner. We fall because our character is flawed. And, and the fire of God is, is burning down to that character issues that God says, you know what, I really do want to bless you. You know what? That dream that you have of doing great things in the kingdom of God, it is a godly desire. But I've got to burn down to get your character right because with great authority and great responsibility comes this responsibility to carry it well. Amen. Success is heavy. Amen. Did you know that? Being successful is heavy. It takes a good foundation to anchor 
if you're going to be successful. Now, if you want to go on and just mess up all the time, that requires nothing at all. You found that out in life, right? To, to do nothing, to, to just continually mess up and make mistakes, it takes no great foundation. But if you want to change things, if you want to change your life, and you want to change the people around you, if you want to change this community, then that authority comes with great responsibility. And God says, I need your character to be right. Because the last thing I need to do is elevate you to a place where your character caused you to fall. And now you're a laughingstock to everybody around you. Ooh. Did you ever think about that? That He loves you that much? That He says, I need your character to fit your assignment. So I'm going to burn down. And then pride. Ooh. That thing is sneaky. Do you know how sneaky pride is? Because it's like a coin. It has two, two sides to it. And I only saw one side for a while. The one side that I saw was the arrogant people, you know, that you can't stand to be around. They, they think they know everything and they got everything right and they're always talking about themselves and their kids are smarter than your kids and prettier than your kids. And yeah, and you're like, oh, they're so obnoxious and arrogant and proud. I, I can't stand them. Did you know if you flip that coin over, it has another side? And that side says, I don't ever want to look bad in front of people. And so I'm self-conscious. And I'm always wondering what people think about me. And I'm always wondering how people are perceiving me. And I'm always readjusting my image when I get in front of people. Because I don't want them to see the real me. I don't want them to see any flaws, any, any chinks in my armor. i got to look like i got it all together. Do you know that's pride too? And just like the arrogant will fall, in most cases, the self, the, the, where we're so, what's the word I'm looking for? I lost it. Um, where we're wondering what people feel about us. Self-centered. Yeah. And that side of us causes us to fall too. Because you can't serve God and serve people. Amen. And if all you're doing is walking around trying to, to please people, you're going to fall. Because they'll pull you in a million directions. And then faith. <laughs> Do you know that you have to walk through some things in order for you to know if you can trust God or not? Oh, A lot of people say, well, God's just testing me, so He'll know what's in me. I think He already knows what's in you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think God is testing you going, I have no idea what's inside of their heart. I'm going to test them and see if I can draw it out because I'm really confused by them right now. I don't think he's confused at all what's in your heart. I think what he knows is this. They have no idea what's inside of them. They have no idea the things that are going to harm them. I've used this as illustration. I'm going to use it again. Boeing, the airplane company, billion-dollar planes. They, they test these billion-dollar planes not to see if they can figure out how to crash them. They cost a billion dollars. You never send up one of those planes hoping it's going to crash. But you do send up that plane to try to figure out if there's something wrong that would cause it to crash. Then you take it back into the shop and you fix it until you've got a machine that you believe is thoroughly ready for whatever comes that it can fly. Amen. Did you know that God has no intention of flying you up like a Boeing aircraft and driving you into a bank? He is flying you through life 
pointing out things that need changing, not so that you will crash, but so you won't crash. So that you can fly. But some stuff you can't get at until He penetrates our hearts. And then, last thing, and i got to move on. Relationships. Mm -mm -mm. No thing, no one does it quite like the people in your life. Right? Nobody tries you. Quite like the people around you. Correct? Yeah. Do you know that it is in relationship that God can refine us more clearly than any other place? Can pull out the places that don't look like God. You thought they were just aggravating. You thought that they were just annoying. And God says, well, you know what? Sometimes they are annoying. But I can take annoying and I can use it in your life to purify you. And so, here's what happens. You have to learn to walk through life and know what it means to live Christ-like, conformed to His image as a son and as a daughter. That was some of your first assignments. You have to learn to live as a son and a daughter. Because I'm pretty sure you got a mama and a daddy. That's how you got here. And you may not like them. Honestly. And you may not have had good ones. And because of that, you think that God is not good. But I'll tell you that He'll teach you how to be a son and a daughter regardless of the mother and the father that you've had. Amen. He'll teach you how to live as a son and a daughter because guess what? If you're going to be a Christian, you have to learn how to be a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Amen. He's got to teach you how to be a son and a daughter. He's going to then teach you how to be a husband and a wife maybe. Ooh, that's fun, isn't it? You're like, ooh, Lord, I didn't know you loved me so much. <laughs> Those relationships pull out the weaknesses in us. And it helps us to learn what it means for two people to become one. I have people all the time who want to know if they can create new ways to do relationships. And I'm like, you know what? This husband and wife thing, it's a good thing. Because you know what it represents? Jesus and the church. Oh, you didn't know that? You, you didn't know that when people saw a husband and a wife, they were supposed to look and see Jesus and His bride. That's why you got to get this husband and wife thing right. That's why you can't make excuses and you can't give up. You know? And, I, and we're not talking about the crazy stuff that, that obviously you need to get away from. But I'm saying there are a lot of times we walk away from relationships because they're just doggone hard. But you know what? I think it's a beautiful image when you see a couple who have walked together for 60-something years. That's the testimony of my parents right there. 60-something years they walked together. And they weren't all good days. I've heard our older folks, they'll say, there were some good days and there were some bad days. <laughs> but what you find when you walk over 60 years together, you learn some things. You learn to quit being so doggone selfish. You learn that your life is not your own. You realize there's some times that you don't get your way. And, and so over those years, you, you learn to persevere, which I have never seen anyone who when they came to Christ was hoping that they would find Jesus saying, you know what, I'm just tired of this thing. I'm walking away from you. Nobody ever wants to go to Jesus 
and hear him say, I'm walking away, and you're not going to. And so our relationships a lot of times teach us how to not walk away, even when we're tired. You've got to learn to be friends, co-workers, and in the church together. And that's why sometimes people will leave the church because they don't want to deal with the relationships. We'll just walk away. Can I tell you that if you walk away, you'll have to keep walking away? Because it's going to get tough wherever you go until God establishes those things that are in you. So what is God doing? Hmm. You ever heard the story of the silversmith? I'm going to tell you that story real fast. There were some ladies doing a Bible study. And they got over to Malachi 3, chapter 3. And in Malachi 3, 3, it says this. God says, I sit as the refiner, purifying. I sit as the refiner, purifying. She said, what does that mean, one of the ladies in the Bible study? She said, I know someone who is a refiner of silver. I'm going to just call him up and see if I can go watch. Calls up, goes and watches. And the refiner takes the silver and he places it over the fire and he begins to talk. He said, you see, I have to get the fire hot, really hot. Because I have to burn off the impurities. They'll burn off at a lower level. And I have to keep this thing in the very center of the fire, the hottest part of the fire. It's because I want to refine the silver. And the lady, she looked at him, she says, well, well, sir, how long do you have to leave it in the fire? And he said, oh, that's easy. He said, I leave it in until when I look, I see my reflection in the silver. And then I know it's done. Did you get that? If you get that, if you get that, you'll understand the purifying process and you won't run from it. Even when it's painful, you won't run from it. You say, he said, telling, asking the question, how long does it have to stay in the fire is an easy one. I just wait until it looks like me. <laughs> what is God doing in you? He is purifying you so that what? When He looks... And he sees his face. He says, I'm done. They look just like me. Oh. Do you want to look like Jesus? Then there is no shortcut. If you want to look like Jesus, there's no shortcut. You can't get off to the side, the cold part of the fire. You can't do it. You can't take yourself out of the fire. You have to let Jesus do His work. So that when He looks into you, He sees Himself. And that makes me go, ooh, I want to do that. Somehow, I want to look like Jesus. So a couple of things. One is this. Sometimes we want to look like Jesus, but we don't want to walk through the pain. I am concerned that we have entire generations that we are raising up. And all we want to do is run from pain. And put money on things to keep from having to have pain. And we're avoiding pain at all costs. And I believe that when the pain comes, we're actually supposed to lean into it. When the pain comes, we're supposed to lean in and learn what God is trying to teach us. I learned that most clearly when my mother passed away back in September. Is that the thing you want to do, you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to be emotional. You don't want to feel the hurt. You want to escape it. Be busy. Do whatever. 
But the reality, take some medication, right? But the reality of this, you have to lean in. And you have to fill it. So that God can refine you. Everyone you talk to will tell you this. If you want to be what God wants you to be in life, you're going to have to lean into pain. You're going to have to quit running. And then the process, you're like, okay, Kevin, I get it. He's supposed to see his face, and, and that's when it's done, but could you please tell me how long it takes? Like, like, like can I get it done in a couple of months? Or, or does it take a couple of years? And, and I would say there's two answers. One is, it's going to take your entire life. Because you cannot reach the end of His goodness and His glory and His grace. So it's going to take all your life. But then I'll, I'll back up and I'll say this. How long does it take? That depends on you. That depends on how many times you run. How many times you get off the altar before the fire comes. It depends on how willing you are to address the issues in your life and to turn them to the Word of God. I saw a pastor friend this week posted something on uh, his Facebook page, and it said this. Everybody says, WWJD, you remember those bracelets that went out a long time ago, what would Jesus do? And the pastor, he said, you don't have any idea what Jesus would do unless you read the Word of God. A lot of people wore a, bla- a bracelet that said WWJD, but they never read the Word of God to know what Jesus would do. And, and so that process takes, takes time. And as it burns through, you'll find that it is a heart work. Matthew 5.8, and we'll begin to wrap this thing up. Matthew 5.8 says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When I get to that, I'm like, I want to see God. I want to see God. I want God to look into me and see me. And you have to know that it's a heart work. That, that the fire falls on our hearts. So that when He is purifying us, there's some things that are happening. Here are some things. That you're learning to live with truth in your life. If you don't read the Word of God, if you don't get taught, if you don't submit yourself to some teaching of the Word, you have no idea what Jesus wants. You you have no idea what He's doing. All of it seems strange. But I can tell you this, He will identify the areas of your life that you are not living in truth. He will identify it with the Word of God, but He's not like the doctor who comes in and says, got bad news, you got cancer. And then you look at Him and says, okay, well, what can we do? I don't know. That would be devastating. God does not diagnose the problems in our life to say, you know what, I don't know. It also has the solutions. It also has the way of life. So when we're being purified, it's supposed to bring the life of Jesus alive inside of us. It's supposed to bring the the light of Jesus inside of us. It's supposed to, to bring our hearts and our lives into conformity to Him. It's supposed to make us holy. Holy. And I did a whole series on that. So you would know what holy means. Holy doesn't mean just that you have to separate yourself from bad things. Nah, holiness is better than that. Holiness says, I want you to be whole. Yeah, if, if, I, could, if I could open up your heart this morning, I would say this. 
God does not want to ruin you, church. God does not want to destroy you by the things that are going on in your life. <laughs> what God wants to do is He wants to make you whole. He knows you've been broken. And He wants every part of you whole. That's why He runs after you. <laughs> that, that's why He doesn't stop. That's why He keeps going. You're like, why do these things keep happening to me? <laughs> you just love that much. He just refuses to let you go until you're holy, till you're made whole inside. I ran across this person. His name is Sergius. He lived in 1314. Kim is smiling because Kim knows some things about me. I like to read from my dogs. My dead old guys. That's my dogs. My dead old guys. This guy's name is Sergius. He, he, he was alive in 1314. And here's what was said of this guy. He had the ability to inspire in men an intense awareness of the love of God and a relationship to respond in love and obedience. And when I read that, that thing marked my life. I read it probably 10 years ago. And I went back and I searched for it because I had it in my heart, but I didn't know exactly how He said it. But it marked my life when I got to the place where it said, he had the ability to inspire in men an intense awareness for the love of God. Something inside of me says, Ooh, can, can, can I volunteer for that? I, I want to be a person that when you see me, you walk away going, I think I just experienced the love of God. Like that... That man loved me in a way that I don't think I've ever been, been loved before. He, he talked to me in a way that had such respect and honor and dignity that I don't think I've ever, ever felt before. I think He cared for me like nobody else that has ever cared for me. I, I think that He had proper boundaries in His life that He didn't cross because He did love me. There was something different about Him. Is there anybody in the room that would like to be that person? That, that would say, when somebody sees you, they say, I think I just saw Jesus. <laughs> the reflection. The refiner. What does it do? It said He sits. The refiner sits and He refines us until the people around us that say, you know what? <laughs> I think I see Jesus when I see them. They stir something up inside of me. I want you to be contagious so that when you encounter somebody, you don't even necessarily have to preach through the Gospels. But they just look at your life and they go, I want that. I don't even know what that is. But I want it. I, I want them to run into you and to say, I have met people and they have known about God. But when I ran into to Jaquetta, she knew Him. Like she didn't know about Him. Like she's a friend. Like he likes her. Like, like when I run into when I run into Kathy, that I find, wow, she loves well. 
I've never experienced love like that. In fact, she loved me, and she has never tried to come back and get me to do something for her. I never felt like she manipulated her love. Right? Yeah. Do you know how you get there? You get there by letting the fire of God consume your life until it burns out everything that is not like Him. You see, some people, there's Christ inside of you, but it's covered up by so much wet wood that nobody sees it. They just see your faults and your failures and your attitude and your bad motivation and all those things. But God is burning them away. And so because of that, I think I could say, and Amy, will you come? I can honestly say, God, I want to be tried by fire. Can you say that? Now, now only say it if you mean it. Okay? Because it is a dangerous prayer. It is a dangerous prayer. To say, God, I, I want to be tried by fire. And if there is anything in me that is not like you, I want it to burn out. So that when people see me, they feel like they have seen a living encounter with Christ. I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. Yeah, y'all stand up with me. Ministry team, will you come? We got a good group coming today. Good listeners. If I didn't touch on the reason you're here today, but there's something that you need prayer for, they are here to minister so that that refining fire can take away whatever is not right so that only Christ remains. I'm going to ask that you come down and you, you visit with them and you share what is on your heart. I'm going to ask us as an entire congregation to see if we are willing to pray, Lord, try us. I want to be tried. I don't want anything in me that is not like You. And for the person that's sitting there saying, I'm, that sounds dangerous. I'm, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. Can I tell you that you'll never have the permission to sit and do nothing? The trials of life are going to come anyway. Problems are going to come anyway. Difficult people are going to come anyway. You're going to face this regardless. Why should you continue to be burned and not be sanctified in the process? By the way, to the very religious people that are watching or who are listening or who are in the room, I just preached a message on sanctification and most people didn't even know it. It was a message about sanctification. A message about becoming holy. You see, most people heard a message about sanctification that said, you got to stop doing this. and you got to do this. And it became such a burden that they could never even attempt to move towards sanctification. <laughs> but I believe I preached it from a right perspective, which is there is a holy God and He wants to consume your life. He wants to fill you up so there's nothing in you but love. <laughs> He, he wants to, to burn away everything that is not like you. Why? Because He loves you. And if there's anybody in the room that wants to be filled up with perfect love, then I think you ought to say, God, as scary as it may seem, try me with fire and purify me.